everybody. It's the Farm and Garden Show. I'm your host, Elizabeth Archer. I know we usually play Safoy Truffle, but today we played Birthday by the Beatles because it's my birthday. Happy birthday to me. I am 41 years old. I moved to Mendocino County when I was 30, so I've had a decade and a little bit here. And for my birthday show, we're going to do a live call-in show, which means audience participation is uh, requested. So you can give us a call literally at any point during the show, 707-895-2448. We are requesting your farm and garden fails. Keep them funny and lighthearted. You know, we don't, someone told me who will rename, remain anonymous, a really tragic story about the one time she she learned the hard way you can feed chickens too much. Um, it's hard to make that funny. Uh, <laughs> but if you have, you know, any farm or garden fail or a mistake you made maybe early on as a gardener and the lessons you learned and advice you would give to other people to maybe avoid that same mistake. So, yeah, just call in. I've asked a couple people I know to call in, but I'm also counting on you, dear listener, to help me out. So 707-895-2448. And I will start by telling one of my own little uh, farm fails. So as I've mentioned a lot on the show, um, when I first came to Mendocino County, it was to be, I thought I wanted to be a farmer. We've laughed about that together. Um, and I was on a little like homesteading farm kind of. Now, I had some experience uh, where I'm from in Seattle. I had helped my mom garden. I'm going to talk about her garden in a little bit. I had helped my roommates in our rental homes, and I'd helped other roommates in homes they bought. And I also helped start and manage a community garden in Seattle. Now, that is Seattle. It is a different climate, I came to Mendocino County. I'd never grown peppers, um, and I'd never grown basil. Now, one day, we all had kind of a short fuse. It had been hot. I don't know. We were just grumpy with each other. And the woman who owned and ran the homestead farm asked me to go and harvest basil. I had never grown basil. I had never harvested basil. I picked off individual basil leaves <laughs> and I got... I mean, I'm going to tell you, I got scolded. I got in trouble. Like, I was a nine-year-old who was picking basil for the first time. Uh, and since then, I obviously have learned the correct way to pick basil, which is to pinch off large leaves. So I guess my lesson learned and advice there is if you're going to go from one climate to another climate, maybe do a little research on the crops you haven't grown and ask around. So I have um someone joining me, my dear friend Steph Logsden. Steph, welcome to the show. Happy also birthday, Capricorn. Hey, feliz cumpleaños. Happy birthday. Thank you. Now, Steph, you and I have gardened together. We worked at the Gardens Project at NCO together. Yes. And now, sure many years garden <laughs> stories. You know, I thought so hard about this. I really did. Because since, I mean, most of my gardening experience was in Mendocino County. I also was a farm intern, but I never got scolded, thankfully. <laughs> you never harvested basil wrong? No, I didn't. I, when I got tired, I started harvesting buckwheat for fun, but they never scolded me for being tired. So that's good. Thanks, Jay and Bill. <laughs> 
being AP <laughs> listening in Massachusetts. Who knows? Aww, hi, but, um, one um, kind of a funny but true um, gardening mistake that I made was letting Elizabeth leave me in the community garden plot. Um, <laughs> Because she was the best um, community garden partner to share for sure. Um, We made some really yummy beets, pickled beets. That was my favorite gardening memory for sure. I still make those beets and I get compliments on them all the time. The pickled beets. The secret to anyone wondering how to make your pickled beets more delicious. Well, if you're not putting sugar in them, do that. Um, But the other secret is cloves. You got to put cloves in there and black peppercorns. I'm going to go to the farmer's market this Saturday and see if I can find some beets. And I'm going to make some pickled beets for the first time in probably eight years. <laughs> so you have moved away from California. Where are you now? I'm in North Carolina right now. And what's gardening I, like in North Carolina compared to Mendo? This is where my true like gardening mistake is what I thought that I'd like to share comes in. Okay, great. Mendocino County, as we all know, has perfect gardening conditions like you mentioned about seattle just a moment ago and how different things grow there and how it's really different um in northern california well everything grows very beautifully when you take care of it and you have your irrigation set up and it's just like this most amazing abundance of fresh veggies either from farms or in your own home garden and so the conditions i think are pretty perfect for being a gardener in California. Yeah, we are very spoiled. Yeah, super spoiled. Um, And so my mistake is waiting for the perfect conditions to get started again. I've done a little bit of gardening here and there, but when I lived, um, I lived in the city in Colombia, in Medellin for five years, and I didn't do much gardening there just because I thought, oh, things won't grow in pots or, oh, I had these limitations on what I could do when really having more curiosity about it and trying new things and adapting to the current situation would have been a better idea. So okay, I'm just putting a plug for trial and error, curiosity, and not having any limiting um, belief on how you can do what you can and can't do with your gardening or farming. So, so flexibility and curiosity. Yeah. Are two main ingredients for garden success. You think? Yes. And having Elizabeth Archer as your community garden partner. That's also very nice of you to say, you know, I originally partnered in that garden with Susan Lightfoot who is has moved to new orleans and then when she moved i you came into that garden plot with me that beautiful community plot in the state street garden behind the co-op well cared for well cared i hope whoever has that plot now is is happy with it but susan has struggled in new orleans with bugs ah because you know california is a great place to garden but not a lot of water and new orleans has the opposite problem they have too much water yeah. And so she has been, I mean, she's been in New Orleans for years now, but it's been a real um, different gardening experience, I think. So, yeah, we're all these, like, global nomads. Just humans are uh-huh. so, um, we just move a lot. And so you got to learn the spot every time. In Seattle, we have such a short, wet growing season that tomatoes are really hard to grow. But 
green tomatoes are really easy to grow. <laughs> and so Which I, I don't got, have a taste for green tomatoes, unfortunately. <laughs> well, I don't love fried green tomatoes, but green tomato pickles, dill pickles are excellent. Ooh. They're really good on hamburgers. And green tomato chutney is also really lovely. So, yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for making do with what you have and learning what to do with the things that your garden does produce for you. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, well, it's just such a delight to see you. You can, Eddie, I don't think we, Eddie, as always in the studio, being an amazing producer, engineer, sound engineer, I'm locked in a bedroom in a house of sickness. Um, But it seems like there's no one on the phones and no one else has joined the zoom. So Steph, if you have some time, keep talking to me. All right. What else can we talk about? For I, would, well, I would just love it. First of all, for those listening who may have joined in the last few minutes, this is a live call-in show to talk about farm and garden failures and mistakes made and lessons learned. And you can call. There are lines open. I'd love to talk to you. No pressure, but it is my birthday. And I do this show as a volunteer. So if you like the farm and garden show, you could just give me a little buzz and talk to me for a couple minutes. It's 707-895-2448. Well, you managed the gardens project for a long time. So community gardens are just rife with mistakes and lessons. Well, yeah, (laughs) like, you know, I told people that when I was still there, when people said, oh, you must know so much about gardening. I'd say, yeah, I've learned a thing or two, but I've learned way more about people than I have actually about gardening. Um, I mean, there was three, I think about three years that I was there with NCO with the gardens project. Um, And another thing I thought of, too, is how um, the dynamic between gardening um not necessarily farming farming you're doing a lot of work it's your it's your business you know it's a whole different ball game but when you're gardening a lot of people take gardening as like therapy as like this is my space this is how i want to do things um and um how a lot of times people don't take advantage of the fact that they're in community and that yeah. they're to learn from so that's the only other thing I was thinking of, too, is that community aspect. So, Well, Steph, we have a call. Please stick around if you have time, and I understand if you have to go. But let's take the call. Hi, caller. You're live on the air. Hi, Elizabeth. Happy birthday. Hi, Lisa. I think you have a rough connection. Again? Uh, try again. One more time. Okay, I'll call. Yep. Oh, uh, okay, call back if you can. I hope we can get Lisa back on the horn. I wonder if the rain is interfering um, with anything or just bad cell service. I'm um, not in Mendocino County right now, but I am still on, um, I'm still in California, and it's raining where we are, but I understand it's been pretty torrential up in Mendocino County. So I hope you are all staying safe, staying dry. And there's another call. Hi, caller. You're live on the air. Okay. It's me, Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Is it any better? It is better. Okay, good. So I I want to say birthday to you. And then I have a a garden sale to share. It's a good time of year, too. 
in February, like mid-February, we have three or four days of amazing warm weather. Like, it'll be 70 degrees. And I run out every year. I'm going to start pulling and stuff. And it's oh, Lisa, I'm so sorry. Your, your call quality is just not good. Uh, well, oh, well, yeah. Anyway. Happy Why birthday, Elizabeth. Thanks for doing you. your show. If you, can, if you can move your body to another location, please call back. Okay. Okay, I'll try. Okay. Thank Bye-bye. you. There, I guess there's another call. Hi, caller. You're live on the air. Hi. Uh, first of all, happy birthday. Thank you. And I love, you're welcome, and I love this show. I didn't know you did this by donation, and I have a question. I'm not okay. from the area and new to gardening. How do you harvest basil? Because <laughs> I don't know oh, either. What was my lesson learned? Okay, so you don't pick individual leaves off. You pinch Good the yet. whole stem off. You go down uh-huh. to basically wherever you want the plant to start shooting off new growth in two different directions. So you go down to the base oh. of, like, the next little two growth coming off the side. So you don't take the whole thing. You just take the middle part and, like, make it to where it'll push out again? Or Yep. I mean, you can go as low as oh. you want if you don't want a really <laughs> tall, leggy basil. Um, as okay. long as there are, like, two new growths at the base where you pinch it off. Right on. I had no idea, and I would have made the same Thanks. So thank you for answering my question. Oh, and have my a great pleasure. Show. Welcome to the area. Where'd you come from? Um, well, I moved up from Oakland. I'm originally from Texas, and I've been in the area for four years full time. And I'm starting to fall in love more and more with gardening and flowers. And I've been looking for bulbs. I don't know where to buy any bulbs right now um, for you planting know, for spring. Year, I I miss the bulb window every year at Christmas. I'm like, oh, it'd be nice to plant bulbs, and it's too late. So. Well, I, I mean, good- I've actually, <laughs> I've actually, because our climate is so microclimatey in different places, I've been able to plant bulbs in January, and then it'll freeze really hard, and maybe we'll get some snow, and they'll still pop in like Interesting. April. You know, my so- question that I have for you or anyone listening who knows more about bulbs: if one time I do just put bulbs in late, like when it occurs to me, if they don't bloom that year, will they still be okay in the ground and come up? next year usually yes if you're lucky i have them in pots and i have good luck with that um i don't know about in the ground though someone else would have to answer that question okay okay cool well hey thank you so much for the call and i love hearing from listeners i'm glad you like the show yeah thank you so much i'll talk to you again soon great take care eddie do we still have another caller holding great hi caller you're live on the air on my birthday call-in show Hey, Elizabeth, this is Amber. Amber, my dear friend, Amber, calling from Seattle. How are you? I'm good. Happy birthday. Oh, no, Amber also has bad audio. Oh. Okay, how about that? Is that better? Oh, that's, yeah, that's better. Okay, great. So I wanted to say happy birthday and uh, share a little tidbit from here in the Seattle area. Um, I have a home garden, and we, you know, here we often have January. Like, it, you know, it rains for a lot of June. Um, we do soaker hose irrigation, and we don't usually need to get it set up until, like, the end of June. So last year, (laughs) 
we we did that sort of at the last minute as as uh, my partner and I were running out the door to take um, to take a trip for a couple weeks in Idaho and set it up you know there's a lot to do before a trip leave and lo and behold we were like halfway to Idaho when <laughs> the heat dome hit and we had like record high um, you know heat and like triple digits in the Seattle area for days on end. I remember and, that. And you were on a bike trip during it. It was not good timing. I Yeah, I was on a bike trip trying to visit Hot Springs, which was hilarious really? because really? nine degrees. Like scraggly trees on the side of the road to huddle under for some shade. Totally. We were, yeah, sipping water that was like, our water bottles were like hot tea water because it's 105 degrees. Um, You know, so we're just kind of trying to stay present there and thought everything was dialed in back home. But, you know, we get back and lo and behold, the irrigation hadn't actually worked and hadn't been set up properly. Um, And it was just the worst timing because it was, you know, by far the hottest stretch of weather we had had. Right, because otherwise in Seattle, you know, you could probably leave your garden if it's 70 degrees unwatered for a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Or even if it gets a little warm, it might still rain on and off um, in the, you know, in the early summer. So, um, you know, it, it didn't it didn't kill everything, but we, we did have some losses. And then things just struggled, you know, like after that. Uh, yeah, it definitely put a damper on on a lot of a lot of the crops. Um, so I don't know. I, I guess the I guess the learning was just the importance in double checking things and sort of um, just like taking that time. Like if you ever have the feeling that like, oh, I hope that just works. <laughs> like maybe take you know, the extra step to like to double check, or you know, we could have. Um, you know, called our neighbors who live next door, who are good friends who live next door, um, or, you know, tried to, tried to set it up a few days before we left instead of, like, literally as we're pulling out of the driveway and didn't have a chance to, like, see it in action. So uh, definitely we'll be trying to avoid that scenario again. Well, I was thinking when you said that, too, it's kind of like what Steph was saying before, um, we're talking about community gardens, about gardening in community. And, yeah, you know, that is a perfect opportunity to call in our community to to keep an eye on things. I don't yeah, know if it's raining where you are now, but California is really being inundated, and especially Northern California. And I'm in Southern California right now, but I have our neighbors, dear friends, keeping an eye on our house. Um, you know, they just, I feel comfortable, you know, knowing that there are good eyes on on our house when we're gone. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And I guess one other quick note that made me think of something related is, um, you know, we have deer in this area. We're in a kind of rural rural area, so we have some deer fencing that is, you know, pretty good. It's held off deer for about 10 years on this um, garden, maybe not the best, but um, we've never had a problem so far. And sure enough, last year... Um, a neighbor came and stopped by and said, hey, there was, there was deer in your garden this morning, you know, around Whoops. in the early hours. So luckily, um, 
with the, the line of sight from the neighbor's house and maybe they're up earlier, they actually saw that and we probably, you know, wouldn't have caught it as soon and realized that there was a little a gap in the fence that I think a fawn had like shimmied through. So we're just very thankful for the neighbors. You know, I've been wanting to turn our front yard into more food, but deer will, we live on a cul-de-sac, but deer will occasionally come down and they certainly will for something delicious. And I said, well, what if we put a fence up? And, you know, Carson, um, my husband, is just says they can jump so high. We'd have to make such a high fence. Um, and it's like, well, maybe I should just plant stuff to feed the deer. <laughs> and he hasn't been very enthusiastic about that idea. <laughs> uh, well, I want to thank you, Amber, because you are my most loyal out-of-area listener. Um, and in my first ever Pledge Drive show, you were my only donation. <laughs> oh, well, I really love listening. And um, you have such interesting shows and guests. And even from afar, I find it really valuable. So thanks for doing what you do. And uh, I'll talk to you later. Thanks so much for calling, Amber. You're welcome. Bye-bye. All right, listeners, this is the Farm and Garden Show. If you're just tuning in, we're doing a live call-in show to talk about your farm and garden failures and lessons learned, how you could help others from falling into the same pitfalls that you maybe did. Give us a call, 707-895-2448. It is my birthday. I'm going to lay that one on thick because I want to pressure you to call. I want to hear from you. I run into people all the time that say, oh, my gosh, are you Elizabeth Archer? I listen to the show. I love the show, which, first of all, warms my little heart. And I just it's so nice to hear from people that listen. And also, it makes me want to talk to you all on the air. So just, yeah, let's let's keep it going. Eddie says we have a call. Hi, caller. You're live on the air. Hi, Elizabeth. This is Leslie. Leslie, my precious sister-in-law, hi. Happy birthday. Thank you. Uh, well, I wanted to call and um, tell a, a quick failure I've had. Yes. Um, wh one was I have gardened my whole life, and um, just recently I've decided to start gardening, uh, planting peppers and tomatoes from seed. And I have learned that peppers take a very long time to start from seed. Um, and so I started my peppers way too late the last two years. And so mm. I'm going to be starting, starting my peppers from seed in the next couple of weeks. You're starting your peppers in January? I am because they do not like the cold. And so they, they, uh, will sprout. Uh, but they take forever to really take off. So, unfortunately, they will take up a lot of space in my house um, until <laughs> I can put them in the ground. Uh, You're going to put them uh, in your house. I am. I am. I'm that dedicated. Uh, Leslie, let's build you a little greenhouse. Yeah, that's, that's on the plan. That's on the works. Uh, but until then, um, I want peppers, you know, sometime mid-summer instead of, right before the frost hits. So I am starting them early. I have never had luck growing peppers. I mean, certainly you don't grow peppers in Seattle. Um, so I never even tried up there. 
But down here, I've just never had luck. They either get eaten alive or they only produce one or two peppers or they're tiny or, yeah, just a real failure to launch. So I've been kind of on the outs on peppers. Do you have any advice for how to grow other? I mean, I love that you're starting them in January. Let's talk again in August. Tell me how they're doing. <laughs> yeah, see how it works. Um, I just know that starting them um, in, in end of March, beginning of April is too late. So that's why I figured I I will start now. Um, and the other reason is I'm going to start my pepper, my tomatoes a little suit earlier as well. And I, I I will run into starting them at the same time. And I only have limited space, so I got to pick and choose what I want to start from seed at one point at one time. One thing at a time. Well, I love living vicariously through. You garden, but you basically have a tiny farm. I mean, you plant like a quarter acre or a half acre. Um, yeah. And I don't do any of the work, and I reap so many of the benefits. So I really appreciate you, and I'm just so happy to hear from you. Thanks for calling. Yeah, thank you. It is, enjoy. Take care. I'll, t- I'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right, let's keep this party going. Hi, caller, you're live on the air. Hi, um, happy birthday, Elizabeth. Thank you. And, uh, my name is Tim, and I'm one of your out-of-area out of callers. Oh, and, cool, where um, are you calling from, if you don't mind saying? I'm calling from Moscow, Idaho, currently. Ooh, um, Moscow. That's where, um, isn't that just over the border from Washington, right by Washington State University? We think of it, Washington State being just over the border from Moscow, yes, but you are Sure, correct. sure, sure, sure. My Seattle upbringing is showing. <laughs> uh, I could talk about that. In any case, um, I have a, uh, mine's a rookie mistake, and, um, and also in Know Your Territory, and finally, uh, it has to do with uh, the weather in Northern California, California, um, currently. And, uh, Back in the early 70s, um, I became involved in a prune orchard along with my then uh, in-laws. And uh, one of the activities this time of year is dormant spraying um, orchards. And I did that. It's, uh, it's, I don't know, you folks in California know what an orchard sprayer looks like. Anyway, I, I finished up and um, I left the orchard or sprayed down the orchard and uh, went about my business. And kind of forgot about it. And as it was common, unbeknownst to me, uh, in that part of California, um, we had a rain that lasted for one day, two days. And then all of a sudden, uh, we had a flood. This property was along the Russian River. Mm, and I, sure. went out, I, I went out in the morning, and there was the orchard sprayer floating in the orchard. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> Uh, I made a valiant effort to try and retrieve it. I got a guy who had a tow truck, and we tried to tow it out, um, but no dice. Um, but anyway, um, that was the first I learned about flooding along the Russian River Valley, and it occurred back then about once every two, three years you expect a flood. But there you go. Know your territory and be aware of what's going on. Do you feel like another lesson learned was put things away as soon as you're done with them? Because I really struggle with that. Oh, um, yes. There there you go. Um, uh, yes. 
For sure, especially if your property is pl- prone to flooding. <laughs> know where your stuff is and put it away where it won't be flooded. Boy, I tell you, you I'm go. sure the Russian River is flooding all over the place right now. Um, oh, well, I love that you, call, you called in from the out of the area. Thank you so much for sharing your uh, hard-learned well, lesson. <laughs> thank you for your show. It's, it's wonderful. I love it. Oh, I really appreciate that. Take care. Bye-bye. Eddie, do we still have another call on hold? Great. Hi, caller. You're live on the air. Hi, it's Caroline from the New Guardian Caroline. Collective. Hi. Sorry, Hi, Elizabeth. Tell people where you're from. Um, I'm from the New Aquarian Collective and Black Yeah, you are. Um, so I thought about this a lot of, like, farm uh, lessons learned. <laughs> You've and had a lot of weather. opportunities to learn a lot of lessons. I have. So the weather today helped me really uh, remember a great one, which is that you would think that you can take a, like, greenhouse or hoop house or a little nursery and use, like, really long rebar or cement stakes and, like, nail, like pound them way into the ground, like, multiple feet into the ground, wire the whole thing to the cement stakes and that that would keep it from blowing away in a storm and that is not true it does not not work did you when did this happen this happened 10 years ago actually Um, oh and you're still mad it was it it was a hilarious story well you know it's one of the best ones for anyone that might be thinking about putting up like a little greenhouse for their plant starts for the, for the spring. Like it's getting to the time of year where you're like, Oh, maybe I'll plant some tomatoes or whatever. Like in, in the next month or so. And you'd think like, Oh, it's going to be spring soon. Why? No, no, this happened in, uh, I think it happened in March or April, but there definitely is a snapshot that I was reminiscing about. That is like 11 PM rain, very similar to today, like super rainy, super stormy and windy and Jason and I were standing in our greenhouse while it was actually like a loss while we're like holding it down with our arms and our body weight going like oh no and we like couldn't let go of it because it was just gonna blow away if we let go and we're like we spent so long putting all this rebar in and it's like literally just doing nothing right now um, so we actually ended up having to like disassemble it and take all of the starts indoors, like in our living room so that they didn't just like get completely destroyed, but it is a good, uh, something, something important to remember. That okay, is so my, that is what, my, what are the winter spring greenhouse options for people then other than building like a professional permanent structure greenhouse? Well, since then, everyone I've talked to is like, oh, yeah, you got to just use cement. Cement how? Like, like, you, like dig holes and... Yeah, you dig a hole and set a post. You at least set some corners in cement. That is what I learned, and it doesn't mean it's necessarily, like, the right way. But everyone I've talked to, it's not like you're guaranteed it's for sure going to blow away every winter. But you're not guaranteed it's not going to blow away. Oh my gosh, how um, stressful, Caroline. 
Oh, yeah. And I've known so many people that have had so many stories about huge hoop houses and high tunnels just, like, completely taking flight and, like, ending up in the neighbor's property. And the only, the only ones I've ever seen that have not actually blown away are either set in cement or they're, like, yeah, they're mostly set in cement or you have to, like, be out in a storm maintaining them to make sure that they're okay. Or, like, my sister-in-law who called in, you just have to keep them inside your house. Or you have to keep them in your house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, right. that's, that's what happens. Well, let this be a lesson to everyone who thought maybe after the storm passed, you'd put a little temporary greenhouse in, set it in cement. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much All for right, calling, Caroline. It's always nice to hear from you. Great to, great to talk to you. Okay. Bye. Bye. This is the Farm and Garden Show. I'm your host, Elizabeth Archer. We've been having a fun uh, live call-in show. So we're talking about your farm and garden failures and lessons learned, ideally on the, like, funny light side. You know, let's not get too tragic because... As I've mentioned several times already, it is my birthday, and this is your present to me. Call in 707-895-2448. Let me know where you've uh, learned some hard lessons in farming and gardening over the years, or funny lessons. Um, my mom, who is the original inspiration for my love of gardening, up in, uh, we, <clears throat> excuse me, I grew up north of Seattle, about 20 minutes, and my parents still live in the same house, um, has just the most beautiful garden, mostly flower garden. And I want to tell the story she shared with me, but I have another call. So, hi, caller. You are live on the air. It's your mother. It's my mom. <laughs> Happy birthday. Hi, mom. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. 41 years ago today in a snowstorm right now. Yeah, my birthday is often accompanied by uh, apocalyptic weather events. <laughs> so happy birthday. Thank you. You know, the most fun apocalyptic weather event for my birthday when I was living in Philadelphia, where January 5th yes. is typically just brutally cold and awful, it was 85 degrees. <laughs> it felt like a sign of the end times, but in a nice way. <laughs> I'll take that 85 degrees. Well, I was just about to tell the story that you sent me. Do you want to tell it? Oh, about my garden sale? About, about yeah, your poor little primroses? Well, first of all, I didn't start gardening until I was 40 because I had too many little kids and no fence. So it was either gardening or running after kids. And so working my gophers. And, yes. So my very first attempt at gardening was planting primroses in the spring, and I lined them all up beautifully up our walkway. I was so proud of myself, and for some reason, I thought, well, I should fertilize them, too, knowing nothing. So I didn't check the nitrogen level, of course, and the next morning I got up, and they were all dead. <laughs> Every one of them burned. So that was the beginning of my gardening. I can't believe I stuck with it. And did you know right away what had killed them? Like, was it obvious yeah. to you yeah, what had been the I figured it out. I did. I figured it out. Yeah. I, I had a feeling I shouldn't fertilize them, but 
you know, I did. So I and never did you pick them all up, or did you leave their poor little corpses there in the hopes that no, they no, might no, sprout no. and grow? Once, once they're gone, no, they were they were gone. I ripped them up and planted new ones. Aw, yeah. Well, your so there you go. That's a, how I started. A, your garden has come a long way since then. You are garden goals for me. I really want a cut flower <laughs> garden. Um, I've decided I just want to pay farmers to grow food for me. I don't, I'm not good at it. I don't really enjoy yeah. it, which is, again, the irony of all ironies that I host this show. Um, but I just, I love a cut flower garden. And your garden is so beautiful. You have oh, just you. the most amazing peonies. I don't know how you do it. Well, I, I don't live know in if Seattle. I, right. I don't know if I can do it down here. No, they're not. They don't. They don't do well down there. We get, we get to grow so many more things up here. So it isn't just, it's the climate. It's like the best. We're like England. Yeah. And you have like a, what I would consider like an English garden, right? Isn't that what you would call it? I do. Yep. I do. I grow what they grow in England. It's the best. I mean, we put up with a lot of rain, but, but actually our growing season is, it's eight months. It's March to October. So right now it's horrible, but. I'm looking, I planted my bulbs and I'm looking forward to March. Hey, I asked a question earlier on the show. If I get bulbs in really late and they don't bloom in that year, will they bloom next year or will they be dead? Well, what kind of bulbs? I don't know. Bul- you know, bulbs. Well, I Flowers. think if you planted, I think if you planted daffodils and tulips, maybe they'd be okay. I just planted mine two days ago. I was really but you're late. you're in we are. I missed my window, it has, I think. It has to, it needs to be cold. I just don't know. I don't know if in your area, since you don't get super cold like we do, if they would last through a whole dry summer and then be okay. I'm, I don't know. Right. Why don't you try it? Try it. Throw a few in the, throw a few in the ground and see what happens. Because unlike you, if I kill them all, I will never get back on the saddle and plant more. <laughs> I don't have your tenacity, apparently. Well, you know. <laughs> I'm all in, girl. I'm all in. <laughs> well, I love your garden, and I thank you for inspiring thank me you. and just for, like, having thank such you. a beautiful place to spend time. Thank you, and happy and birthday. I love and you. Thanks for, you, you know, having me 41 years ago today. <laughs> You're more than welcome. I love you, Mom. Okay, love you too, honey. Bye-bye. Bye. That was fun. That was my mom calling in on this uh, live call-in show we're doing for my birthday, talking about farm and garden failures. Give me a call if you have one to share, 707-895-2448. Eddie is in the Philo studio engineering the show for me because he, well, first of all, it's his job, but also he's just like really nice. I just, I don't think the Casey Wag staff gets enough credit. And so let me just give an official shout out. I like most programmers am a volunteer. Um, and you know, volunteers are great and I love volunteering, but you also get what you pay for with volunteers and we can be really needy and clueless and helpless. Eddie's shaking his head. No, he's like, these are not my words, but the KZYX staff does such an amazing job of taking care of the volunteer programmers so we can bring you the audience shows like this. And this is not a pledge drive show. I just think KZYX is amazing and I want to give credit where credit is due. So thank you, Eddie. 
for engineering. You put new call. Is there a new call right now? Yeah, we got a new call right oh, here. Great. Sorry for talking over you on hold, new caller. You're alive on the air. Uh, happy birthday, Lindsay. Hi. Thank you. What a cute call from your mom, by the way. Oh, isn't that cute? Hey, you don't have great sound quality. It's the day of bad calls. This is what I get for having a call-in show, I guess. Oh, shucks. Um, you want me to try calling back in a few minutes? Can you relocate a little? That sounds a little better right now. Um, yeah, I'm relocating. Do you want to try calling back? Yeah, I'll call you back in a few Oh, wait, no, you sound good now. Don't move. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. What do you, what do you got for me? Garden fail. Um, I have to say, this garden fail, I still repeat, um, but the first year I grew a garden, I don't know, maybe 17 years ago, I was so excited that I had found this newfound passion for plants, and I planted I overplanted everything. Everything was crowded. Everything was climbing all over on top of each other. I had my tomatoes like 12 inches apart. It was just like a crazy wild jungle <laughs> of chaos. And I still haven't learned my lesson. It's a lot more orderly now, but I just get so overly enthusiastic about growing seedlings. And I end up with all these babies, and I feel, I, you know, I give away what I can, and I, I just pop them in the ground and it's, it's still a little bit chaotic but um yeah that's kind of just a lifelong learning of like really being realistic about how big all these plants are going to get and sticking to the good rule of thumb rather than squeezing in little orphans here and there you know i think that that's something that a lot of people struggle with and I think one of the reasons that I have not been a very effective food gardener here is because I garden much better in partnership with someone like you. And I, my, my, um, a friend I lived with in Seattle, we had an amazing garden and we learned quickly on that she was the creator and I was the destroyer and how important actually it is to have both roles because she would overplant and then I would go in and weed them out. Ruthless. And she would never, ever prune, and I would just, like, cut tomatoes way, way back. And, you know, there's a lot more creators than destroyers, so I think that we are a very valuable minority group, and we're, we don't get the credit that we deserve for killing the things that need to be killed in order for everything else to thrive. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Well, yeah, you should come to my garden around... Uh May 25th and destroy something. Honestly, I love to garden. I love to weed and pick little, like, you know, if the row of carrots has come up a week ago, I love to go and thin them out. Um, I work for for good food, so all of you listening, if you need a destroyer, (laughs) I'm very good at pruning trees. I'm trained at pruning fruit trees. Um, I love to thin. I love to destroy things. So, in a good way. So, yeah. I will definitely hit you up. Work for food and good company. (laughs) Thank you so much for calling, Lindsay. Yeah. Thanks, Elizabeth. Take care. Take care. Bye. Okay. We have another call. Hi, caller. You're live on the air. 
Well, hello. Yeah, this is Tom from Black Bart Trail in Redwood Valley, and I have hi, a comment Tom. about the. Hi, I have a comment about the hoop houses. Okay. And uh, uh, that is that uh, I disagree with with the opinions expressed about the concrete, but that that's true. But the really the issue that's critical is batting the plastic. How you batten mm. the plastic. So um, if people just put rebar in the ground and then fold over a couple of Schedule 40, 20-footers of three-quarter, one-inch it is, and run them you know, between the rebars, that works okay as long as you get some, some long uh, two-by-something thin, something like grape steaks. You know, you're probably going to put your, your rebar in on eight-foot centers, so you need something that will span that distance at least to batten the plastic in several places. And, and you can buy commercial... Um, they call it wiggle wire flashing, you know, Z-wire, like it's used in prefab greenhouses. You can run that. You can buy that uh, in aluminum extrusions at Spare Time or Big Daddy or any of those places. Okay. Not terribly expensive, but you can also just screw <coughs> wood battens into the PVC. If you have the plastic battened well in three or four places, it's not going to blow off. Um, I'm speaking How do you my own place feel about well a greenhouse made of, because you seem very knowledgeable, and I think these are um, quite romantic but maybe impractical. How do you feel about greenhouses made from old reclaimed windows? Well, I don't know. I've got a bunch of old reclaimed windows myself that I haven't done anything with yet. I think that the main thing there is if you have tempered glass, um, that that stuff is very valuable. If you have takeouts of sliding glass doors where somebody replaced them with double glazed, um, those are really great. I I lived uh, maybe 40 years ago at a rental down in Contra Costa County where the guy that owned the place was a builder and he had built a, a greenhouse uh, with a, a wood framed greenhouse where he used uh, takeout sliding glass door walls uh-huh. um, that didn't work entirely well because he held them down uh, it was like a, a, a gable roof or a frame and he held them down just by pinching um, the edges of, of the glass. And when it rained, why the wood swelled up and the glass slid downwards, you know, and you had to get out there and push the glass back up into place and hope. Oh, that's not, that's not ideal. Propping it, but, yeah, it <laughs> well, my husband, good. bless his soul, is a very skilled builder. Um, but not a very romantic builder. And so every time I see, you know, some abandoned windows somewhere, he refuses to pick them up and build a greenhouse for me. Well, if it's just regular window glass, they're, you know, they're not really very strong. I mean, you can do that. Um, the 
the, the huge greenhouses that Pacific Lumber used to have out where Highway 20 joins Highway 1, where the founder of Pacific gave his employees the choice in the wintertime of going on unemployment or planting starts in the greenhouses because they oh, were replacing the trees that they cut down, contrary to popular opinion. Hmm. Um, that was regular cool. window glass. Okay. And, well, you know, he'll, my husband will be strong. grateful for <laughs> for anyone telling me not to do it. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not telling you not to do it. I'm saying don't be surprised if you get broken glass pretty easily because window glass isn't very strong. Right. That feels like saying don't do it. I do have a child well, and a like dog. that's like saying do it, but do it where... Do it where pine cones aren't going to fall on it. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Cool. Well, hey, thank you so much for the call, and I'm thank glad that you, you listened to the program. show. I hope you continue on and are a great success. Thank you. I appreciate it. Bye. All right. We have a couple minutes left. This show has been so much fun. It's uh, We're doing a live call-in show to talk about your farming and gardening fails and lessons learned. It's my birthday, and I decided this was going to be my birthday gift to myself, and maybe to you if you've enjoyed the show as well, to just do kind of a fun little call-in show. And you've made that possible, so thank you. The number, if you want to try and get another call in, we do have some time and open lines, 707 895 2448. I would love to hear from you. And it's just so much fun hearing from people who listen to the show and appreciate the show and appreciate that I maybe don't know that much about farming and gardening and um, am willing to be transparent about that and throw my own self under the bus and for the benefit of all, because there's always a lot to learn about farming and gardening. And sometimes sharing our mistakes can be cathartic. So if you have a little uh, farm or garden fail, you'd like to call in and share 707-895-2448. Hi, caller. You are live on the air. Hi, it's Rachel Britton. Rachel Britton, Mendocino Green Project and Dear Soul. How are you? Thank you for calling for, for calling me a dear soul. I was just laughing with, I'm here with Donald, and we were trying to come up with some of our best stories ever. But we also realized that they're kind of painful to relive. Painful or cathartic or both, maybe. <laughs> totally. I, yeah. Um, I, we've been, we've been hustling, so I, I'm gonna have to look back and hear your recording. I haven't heard what other people have said. It's been fun. There's been a lot of calls, honestly. I'm, it's very gratifying. That's awesome. I love it. I, I feel like, I mean, farming and mistakes, I feel like are, are like so prevalent that I don't know. I was like, I can't think of a good story. But I think my most recent one is when I first, I, because transitioning to a field scale was definitely a learning curve. I was working with the Jevons method, so I was working in like 100 square foot increments, and then I moved to acreage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And right. so we, we, Doug helped me bring online an extra nine acres in Redwood Valley that was basically feral, or whatever you want to call it. it. It was like it had been a vineyard and it hadn't been, nothing had been done to it in a long time. So there's like coyote brush and all these weeds and, and, and 
we had the chance to rehabilitate it and start producing wheat right next to our other field. And so... <laughs> You're already laughing. <laughs> I don't know. It made me remember the whole process. Lots of things went great about it. Some things that were challenging is we had to bring in some of the pull that coyote brush out, which obviously being someone that really cared about soil compaction, it's like, you know, I'm, like, trying to do minimum tillage practices, and we have, like, this, I honestly don't even know what the machine is called. <laughs> it's, like, comes in, it's, like, jaws that <laughs> picks my coyote brush up. And so that was the thing. But the other thing was I thought that I could work up the soil and let it dry out a little bit and then go over it with another piece of equipment. But there was enough clay in the soil that once I let it dry out a little bit, I had basically just created nine acres of quads for myself. And that was my introduction to field scale Nine farming. acres of what? Of, I, so basically when I, when we worked the field, then with, we were trying to not disc it. So I was using a field cultivator. And so it right, brought up right. all of these big chunks. And so I thought, Oh, perfect. Like, I'll let those dry out a little bit, and then I'll go over with the field cultivator again. But when I let them dry out a little bit, there was enough clay in them that the I basically just had this field full of these giant quads of clay. Quads? That had, quads. Had, had been, oh, quads was the word. Yeah, so they had been workable at some point, but they weren't at that moment. And, and at that point, it's like, okay, out of 100 square foot, scale, you do something by hand, and on a nine Yeah, you can break up a hundred feet of clods by hand, sure. <laughs> so, nine acres is like, um, <laughs> maybe that's not a viable option, so that's my most recent one. <laughs> and what'd you do? What did you do about those? Um, a couple different things. I mean, partially just planted into cloddy, with part part of the land we planted into cloddy soil, and the other part, um, I had a farmer friend who had a rototiller, which is not my favorite way to treat land, but he was able to just go do the top inch or whatever and break up those clods with the rototiller. And, and live and learn, because we only did I know. <laughs> so, and we did half, I mean, we did learn some things because we did half and half of that nine acres, and it's true that it's like, as we know, that the rototiller created tilt early on. And actually, interestingly enough, we had less weed pressure in those areas. But and then it ultimately was more compact. So it's true. was learned. Man, clay can be a real hassle. It actually just made me think of probably my most embarrassing story of all time, which is technically farm and garden related. But it's the end yeah. of the show, so I don't have to tell anybody. Thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh, Elizabeth! I want to hear. I should have told you. I couldn't think of anything. <laughs> I will tell. I, I will tell you offline. And if any listener remembers this and calls in a future show, I promise to tell it on air. It is very funny and very embarrassing. Um, thank you so much for the call, Rachel. Thinking that I could make enough compost. <laughs> oh, Donald said his was making and thinking he could make enough compost for his own farm. Oh, compost building. That's a real, uh, whew. <laughs> that's a hard game. Yeah, Elizabeth, thank you so much for all you do, and happy birthday. And uh, thank you for keeping the farmers and gardeners connected in this community. My pleasure. Take care. Likewise.
All right, everybody. This has been the Farm and Garden Show. I am your host and birthday girl, Elizabeth Archer. Thank you so much for this really fun show. I had a great time. It shows me that I can do a whole hour of call-in. And if you like it, you want me to do it again. If you have any other topics you'd like me to cover, hit me up, dj at kzyx.org. I will be back in two weeks. Take care, y'all. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.